Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Plant Harvest Prosper. I'm your show host, Kellen Williams, Wealth Advisor and Certified Financial Planner for Financial Harvest Wealth Advisors. The purpose of Plant Harvest Prosper, or PHP, is to help our listeners make wise decisions with your money and encourage you to live purposefully towards prosperity. Our listeners will receive completely objective and independent advice designed to help you succeed regardless of your age or financial means. We challenge you to define what is living a life of significance look like to you and then how to use your wealth to achieve that. So each episode will address a different key financial topic with applicable steps to be in action right now, if not already. So today we're going to talk about a recurring topic of discussion we consistently get with our clients and also get off the cuff and rightfully so given how expensive it comes to be and such a big impact in all of our lives. How to fund education or college effectively, efficiently, and with flexibility, as well as what did the recent passing of Secure Act 2.0 do for 529s? So today I have the absolute pleasure to interview my colleague here at Financial Harvest, Danica Bolton, who has her master's in education, don't take that lightly, and used to be an elementary school teacher, then shifted her career to finance at Charles Schwab, which is where I met her, and is now here at Financial Harvest since 2019, where not only is she a fiduciary investment advisor, she's also currently studying for her certified financial planner designation. She's a rock star here, and certainly with her exceptional background, is more than qualified for today's topic, more so than me, especially. (laughs) So, Danica, to begin, I'm just going to lay the foundation. Historically, the two main vehicles for savings for college or education are 529s and Florida prepaid. I know there are other vehicles out there, but those are the two main ones people look at. 529 savings plans are tax advantage vehicles that can be invested and have tax-free growth when used for qualified education expenditures. It's a key note there. State prepaid plans, like Florida prepaid is the most popular one. They're kind of going away. Not all states have them. You can also have a 529 prepaid plan. I know it could be confusing, but let's just focus on the term prepaid. It allows the account holder to purchase credits like tuition credits at participating colleges and universities within the state with today's dollars and numbers. So you think about the costs of rising education expenses. That's why a lot of people have found them attractive over the years to try to limit that. Now we know these costs have grown immensely. That's why we hear all about the student loan crisis and we see in the news about how much it's growing. So it makes sense why people are trying to plan ahead. So to put real numbers, found this compelling. Let's take the University of Florida, for example. In 2023, this year, current total annual costs, including tuition, room and board, et cetera, is around $43,000 one year. In 10 years, looking at the historical average growth rate, it'll be around 58,000 per year for a public university, not private. It's humbling. So just looking at the numbers, it's safe to say there are a lot of planning opportunities to consider. 
Here are some common questions we still get that are centered around funding future education costs. Chances are you probably have wondered at least one of these for a child, grandchild, niece, nephew, whomever it may be that you would like to help out. So Danica, let's get started on some top high-frequency questions. Mm -hmm. 529 savings plans versus prepaid tuition plans, like Florida prepaid. Which is better and why? Great. Yeah, so with Florida prepaid, really what you're doing is you're purchasing the credit hours today for a future, like you were saying. So mm -hmm. that's covering your credit hours. That is not covering, you know, room and board. That's not covering books. That's not covering any other expenses. So you are still going to have that gap in between what the Florida prepaid covers and what the actual cost of college is going to be. But if you have your smart or your 529 plan um, where, you know, let's say your child was born, they get the social security number and then, you know, for gifts, you're asking for those gifts to the 529 account. Please. <laughs> Um, you know, you can grow that over 18 years and it is invested. So it will have, you know, some equities in there, some equities, some bonds in there. And then as it progresses, as the child gets closer and closer to um, college age, uh, it will get a little bit more conservative, kind of like you see with a retirement portfolio. But what's nice about this is it does offer that flexibility. So, you know, you're putting that money in, you can use it for tuition. You can also use it for college expenses like those books and materials for classes. You can use it for dorm life. You know, what does it, all of the costs that are associated with school, you know, those qualified education expenses. Not all of them are qualified, but a lot of what that student is going to need can come from the 529. So the other positive about that versus um, a prepaid program is there's flexibility between, you know, it's not just for your four years of college, mm. right? You can use those funds for private school tuition up to $10,000, um, elementary, middle, or high school. So maybe they make a switch in high school. Um, and there's just better opportunity those last few years before college, you can use that. You can uh, use up to $10,000 for student loan repayment if they do end up taking hmm. out some of those student loans. And then the last part that's really nice, um, well, actually two more parts, uh, you can always roll over that beneficiary um, if you have another child that's going to school and they didn't use up the funds or um, that beneficiary can start using some of those proceeds to fund a Roth IRA, it can roll over into a Roth hmm. IRA in the name of the student, which is another added benefit. It's just a lot of options on what you can do with the money, what you can use it for, and then what you can do after your education is finished or if that child takes a different route. It's fantastic. Thank you, Dan. It's really insightful. For me, that rollover to Roth that just passed with the Secure Act back in December, that really kind of changed the game. So I know it's not a huge amount they can roll over, but that added flexibility that the 529 offers, that really added the competitive advantages compared to a prepaid plan. So thank you so much. So what about all the 529 plans? Can I just go online, Google 529 investment and feel confident? that I'm going to have an equal value or equal opportunity 529 as, I don't know, state of Utah or West Virginia. 
Yeah, so there's a lot of websites out there that will kind of rank and rate them, but it really is going to depend on you know where you live and what those intentions and goals are. So for instance, um, it, maybe if you are someone who wants to manage it yourself, some states, the plans will only allow for it to be advisor managed, mm. where you have to connect with somebody in order to even open the plan or really do anything with it, versus just being able to kind of go online, open up your, your smart 529 plan and kind of manage it yourself. Um, the other thing to think about is what are the investment options in there that might be a little bit advanced if you are kind of DIYing this. But, you know, are there are there options that have good returns? You know, are these solid companies? What are the um, expense ratios or fees associated with the plan itself and the investments? Um, and then the last thing to take uh, into consideration would be where are you living now? So in Florida, we don't have state tax, so this would not be something that would be top of mind. But if you're in a state that does have a state tax, sometimes um, you can get a, a state tax deduction hmm. for your contributions to that plan. So that may be something that outweighs, let's say, whether you want an investment, a certain investment option in the plan or not. So um, there's different websites out there where you can compare all of these different options and kind of see what works best for your family and your needs. That's great. Thank you. Now it's helpful to know because it's very easy to uh, get overwhelmed by all the different options out there. So again, I have some clarity on that. It's helpful. So this is a great one. Everyone asks this question. So what happens if the child does not go to college? Let's say they go to a trade school or maybe little Ezekiel Williams gets a full basketball athletic scholarship to Vanderbilt University. You know, what happens to that 529? Yeah, great question. So, and it is a popular one. So I spoke to this a little bit earlier, but there's a lot of flexibility in what can happen if the child does not go to college or even just doesn't use all the funds, full scholarship. Um, so you mentioned a trade school. Uh, you can use those funds for trade schools, for these educational um, programs where you're learning a skill. Uh, so you could use the funds for that. But if Ezekiel gets full scholarship and he doesn't need the money, um, you know, full ride to Vanderbilt. Come on now. <laughs> and then some. Please. Um, there, first of all, there's no real age limit there, right? So uh, let's say for undergrad, he gets his full scholarship, but then he decides he wants to go to graduate school and then, you know, get his doctoral degree, which he could still use those funds um, that are saved up for him. The other idea is, you know, you could roll over those funds to Shiloh, you know, if she does not get mm. scholarship or if she just wants to go to the most expensive school in the country, uh, <laughs> that could certainly help out. <laughs> so you can use it for some of these alternative education plans, like the trade schools, things like that. Um, and we also mentioned the fact that you know, we have this for elementary, middle and high school. So we have that uh, those lower uh, grades that can, it can be used for as well as student loan repayment. And then last but not least, if he doesn't use that and Shiloh is also full ride, uh, you can start piecing that out and contributing to those Roth IRAs as long as he has some earned income um, afterwards from his NFL play. <laughs> so, you know, maybe. 
Um, and then, you know, again, let's say you or Shar wanted to go to school. I mean, you could also roll those funds back to you guys and use those funds. So uh, a lot of good options and flexibility with, with the 529 plans if the student doesn't use it all. That's key to note that the flexibility portion, especially with the rollovers to a Roth, and that was, I'm glad you spoke to the distinction of, remember, with this new Passing the Secure Act, the rollovers to Roth, once you start doing that, not only is there the 15-year time clock where you have to hold it, you also have to make sure you're following the regular IRA contribution or Roth IRA, excuse me, Roth IRA contribution um, eligibility requirements. So just what you spoke to, Danica, if the child is not having earned income, then you couldn't do that rollover. So just make sure you're, you're privy of that as well. And with a prepay plan, the other caveat is the 10-year clock starts once the original beneficiary starts their college or soon college uh, time frame. So if they're 18, there's a 10-year clock to use it up. Whereas the flexibility portion you just spoke to, well, hey, maybe if, you know, the kids got scholarships, great. And we want to just keep it rolling or keep it, you know, like a dynasty, right? You know, move it to another beneficiary. We have the flexibility to be able to do that. So um, you kind of already touched on this allocations. You know, typically what we see is an age-based plan, which is certainly fine. It starts off aggressive and then kind of tilts back, which is not, not bad. But how are distributions handled? And what are some examples of a qualified distribution from a 529? Right. Yeah, so the nice thing about the 529 plans is it's going to grow tax-free um, in that account. And as long as your distributions are qualified education expenses, uh, that will also be tax-free um, for you. Now, what are qualified education expenses? Your basic ones. Think your tuition, your your you know your room board, the books you need, supplies you need if you're in a lab section or something like that. Uh, your non-qualified, um, you know, not if you want some extra like party money, things like that. That's not going to be something that you can use. Uh, oh wow! Shocking. Yeah, yeah, shocking. The other thing um, that's interesting is. You know, you can't just take that money for something that you want to go and like independently learn. So, for instance, uh, I'm trying to think. I had a class on world religions in college that I thought was fascinating. But if I wanted to just go out and do my own learning, my own conferences, things like that, I can't take money out of my 529 hmm. for that because it's not qualified for the school. So um, just thinking of what are your expenses that are going to come through the school, through the college, uh, that's going to be your qualified sort of that extra stuff, um, you know, the extra social activities that would not be qualified. Got it. That's really good. I didn't know about the self-learning if, you know, I wanted to go out and explore this topic further, but I mean, it makes complete sense. So thank you for that. Um, another one we get is contributions. So how much can I contribute to a 529? So unlike, uh, you know, if you remember this back in the day, a education savings account, you have a much greater amount that you can contribute to a 529. So it's up to the annual gift exemption amount. So for 2023, it's 17,000 where you can give 17,000 to someone and not have to worry about it reducing your lifetime gift. 
amount or having to file a gift return. So that's what you can contribute and you can supercharge a 529. So what I mean by that is you can pull in five years of your annual gifting amounts in one year. So if annual gifting amount is 17,000, you can do 85,000 each. So you and your spouse, if you're married, to really supercharge. Now, during that five-year time frame, you, of course, can't do any more contributions, but you can do five-year tranches if you want to. So that's a nice key takeaway for funding a 529. You can really bolster it if you have the, the means to do so. So Danica, just to kind of give everyone you know, a final send-off, are, are there any other tidbits that you think are really important or that you would like to share with our audience today? Yeah. So one thing I think about, um, we hear in the news, especially with everything in the student loan forgiveness, student loan planning, just how everything is coming home to roost right now when it comes to the extreme amount of debt people have taken out mm. um, for college funding in the past, you know, let's say 15, 20 years. And I think one thing parents should consider is, um, you know, your child, but having that conversation about what are the expectations going to be. So if you have made that commitment to your student, we are going to fund the first four years of undergrad and then you're on your own. Or this is how much you have in a 529 and this is how much we're contributing and it has to last um, for whatever you want to do. Uh, and letting them know, you know, if you want to go to this really expensive undergrad, that may mean that there's no money left over in the 529 for graduate school, for your doctoral degree. That's a big consideration for uh, if you have a student who's interested in maybe going into medicine mm. or law or veterinary school, where they're going to take on a lot of debt. It's really just time travel with money. You know, it's, it's easy at 18 years old to be like, well, I want to go to this school because they've got, you know, great sports facilities mm -hmm. and nice dorms. But kind of having that conversation and saying, this is going to be paid back at some point in time. Um, and when you're 30, is your, is your dorm going to matter that much when you're looking to maybe start a family, own a home, um, making those trade-offs? So it feels kind of weird because I don't think that has been the norm in the last couple of generations of talking about being transparent and knowing this is how much money is set aside for school and mm -hmm. involving the student in that decision. But it has really big repercussions, not only on their life, but on the parent's life as well. So they really need to be involved. And if they're looking to get scholarship or stretch that money, I mean, we see the pressure on kids now is pretty intense. Mm -hmm. So they need to start that planning and that processing probably when they start high school, ninth grade, where, you know, getting involved in different sports, activities, clubs, and organizations to kind of also help and do their part to stretch those $529 as much as possible. That's really good. The transparency that you just spoke to, that's definitely not common. And, um, you know, transparency is part of our core values as a team, and it just pays dividends in so many other aspects of life. So I'm really glad you spoke to that. So we just went through some quality, high frequency questions that we see often. But if there are any additional ones that we may not have addressed today, please feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to, to do that offline. But to summarize our main takeaways, we have to do it in standard plant harvest prosper fashion. So here, here are our key takeaways. First, plant. 
If interested in helping your own children, grandchildren, niece, nephew, etc., with their education funding, or just ask around with those who are close to see if anything's already been done. That kind of gives you a gauge to see who else maybe is in the, the bucket filling process and you know who are your, your teammates in helping fund that child's education. So that'll give you a foundation of what's been established. And regardless if one's been established or not, start to think about how do you want to fund versus letting the beneficiary be responsible or having some skin in the game? Okay, and this could be decided regardless. If wanting to go off a certain college's expenses, like I did for the example in the University of Florida, use a financial planning tool or work with a fiduciary investment advisor to establish a goal to aim for monthly or annually for contributions. And lastly, if moving forward with funding, remember to get the account funded for at least 15 years. So as early as possible, like Danny could say, as soon as you get that social security card, right? If possible. <laughs> Uh, for one, compounding returns and also adding in the 529 to Roth IRA rollover flexibility that just passed with the SECURE Act. Okay, so you need that 15-year clock in order to do that rollover. It's a 35000 lifetime limit as of now. Why they picked 35000 still not sure. You could do annual rollovers depending on the annual contribution limit for Roth IRA which is 6,500 for this year, up to 35,000, which can be a great way to give a nice little initial funding to a beneficiary's non-taxable uh, retirement bucket. Two, harvest. So lean towards doing a 529 savings plan for the flexibility. It just really provides a leg up on flexibility and flexibility is so important, you know, with capacity in our lives. Not only can it be used for college, but it can also be used for K through 12 expenditures like Danica spoke to. Pick the right 529 plan. They're not all equal. Some have different investment options are a little bit more compelling. Okay, and maybe easier to withdraw from. Danica personally experienced with a client how difficult it may be working with some 529 plans. So just make sure that you can uh, pick the right uh, custodian for a 529. If the child is young, make sure it's in a full all equity portfolio, so all stock, because you really have a long time horizon at that point, as long as the child's young. You want to make sure you can take on as much volatility or returns for the expected returns you're going to get in that early time frame. Now, as soon as they start to get around five to you know seven years away from college, you can start to take some chips off the table. Then another one for harvest is who should own it, parent, First is maybe grandparent. Rather than having all 529 funds in a parent's name, consider having some held by a grandparent or multiple grandparents. We often don't see that. Why? Parent-owned 529s can be assessed as much as a 5.64%. I don't know what to call it. Ding. For a family contribution. Meaning if a parent owned 100000 in a 529 for their child, up to 5600 could be trimmed from financial aid just by having the parent own it, okay? Whereas grandparent-owned 529s, that would not affect it. So what's the caveat? Distributions from a grandparent-owned 529 do count, right? So 
This just means postpone grandparent 529 distributions until after they've completed their final FAFSA application. Okay, so that's the way to work that. Try to have as many different buckets between parent and grandparents as possible and really utilize the, the distributions after the FAFSA applications are complete. In the last three prosper, if there is still a balance in the 529, um, methodically roll that over into a Roth IRA using the annual contribution limits for that beneficiary or roll it over to another beneficiary like Danica was talking about. You have the flexibility to do that. Um, as always, thank you everyone for taking time out of your day to be intentional on being a great steward. On our website, if not already a client of ours, please feel free to click on Get a Second Opinion to meet with us to see if there are any gaps in your current financial plan. And then finally, listeners, please submit any questions you may have to kellen at financialharvest.com directly or info at financialharvest.com. And we'll pick a key topic to address on our next episode. So as always, keep planting, keep harvesting, let's prosper together. Thank you, everyone.